I'm all about that fuss-free glam. Give me makeup that's versatile and feels like air on my skin and has ingredients that love my face, that's good for my face. You know, clean ingredients. And don't even get me started on mascaras because I do want them bold and lengthening. <laughs> and so we have Thrive Cosmetics, which I've been using since 2020, obviously because I appreciate their foolproof products that make it really easy to apply for any skill level. And they have a full line of makeup to refresh your everyday look, but also they give back. Every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive. Hence why it's Thrive Cosmetics, C a u s e medics thrive cosmetics and bigger than beauty skincare are not just makeup brands they're a whole vibe they're all about empowering us to rock our confidence and when you support them we are helping other communities thrive their stuff is not only easy to use but no nasties zero parabens sulfites phthalates they are 100 vegan and cruelty free let's talk lashes thanks to thrive's liquid lash extensions i must say that my lashes are just so beautiful and lush it adds lengths there are no clumps and also guess what it slides right off with warm water so no raccoon eyes here and i appreciate they have nourishing ingredients that support longer stronger and healthier looking lashes over time and it's a unique formula they use that creates these tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. We've had problems in the past with the link, but the link does work now. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com magic. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash magic for 10% off your first order. Ladies, we all have different symptoms that time of the month. For me, my energy level happens to just dip insanely and I just feel a little down, you know, a little sluggish. And so I'm happy to share Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, and they are dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. And so here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt adapt to any stressors, like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. So, Hormone Harmony is for any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances, and it's perfect for symptoms that put a woman's life on hold, like racing thoughts and low moods, poor sleep and feeling tired all the time, occasional bloating and gas when you have no desire to get in bed next to someone if you know what I mean, and also hot flashes and night sweats if you happen to be going through menopause. It's really great for women with menopause. So yeah, Hormone Harmony can help with all of these things. And for a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code MAGIC at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code MAGIC for 15% off today. Your hormones will thank you. I would love for more people to have awareness of these goddesses. 
because they were in ancient times just as important as Zeus, Hades, all these other big figures. Honestly, in the natal chart, the only two feminine forces that we have in traditional astrology is the moon as the mother and Venus as the lover. Now let the magic begin. Hello, Jai Ma, Jai Ma Yomis. It's Raquel, and welcome to Your Own Magic, a soul-expanding and heart-opening podcast. And on today's episode, I am so happy to have a longtime listener of the show on the show share her own magic. And her name is Tylan McKenzie. And Tylan is a multifaceted healer, a vision singer, a Reiki master, an old soul, an angelic soul who is deeply, deeply passionate about helping people rebuild soul trust. In fact, she has a site, rebuildsoultrust.com. And I realized when I was talking to her, if humans had degrees in spiritual modalities, Thailand may indeed have her master's degree in most, from Reiki to astrology. I see now why I felt guided to this conversation. She is so wise and has such expansive knowledge on a variety of topics I feel like many of you may be interested in too. I was excited to have this chat as well since this was also an astrological reading for this Leo right here and she was talking about a topic that intrigued me and I'm now wildly fascinated by which are the asteroid goddesses. I'll leave the narrations and summaries to Tylin as she shares in-depth mythology and psychology and astrology of each goddess. There are four goddesses she talks about, Ceres, Pelis, Vesta, and Juno. She talks about where they stand and their significance in my own astrology chart and how you can find yours. So if you're interested in the myths, the tales, the beautiful truths, astrology, and also, of course, goddesses, this episode is indeed for you. There's so many topics we cover on this episode, and I have a feeling you're going to enjoy this indeed. And there's also a lot of intermediate or even sometimes advanced languaging around astrology. So if you ever are confused about any part of that, I want to put a disclaimer here do not worry the overall messaging will become very clear and that's all that matters anyway this episode is sponsored by green chef who has a new 100 off offer for you green chef has been very helpful in opening up my senses and expanding my at-home meal options to transition from basic to more gourmet like and i just have to say it's a must try for the yummy family especially their plant-powered meals. So, so good. Anyway, more on Green Chef in the midst of the episode and in the show notes. And thank you for supporting Green Chef as it supports the show as well. Also, if this episode ignites or inspires you in any way, shape, or form, or any Euromagic episode for that matter, and you just feel the nudge to, feel free to leave a rating and review 
perhaps even subscribe on your platform of preference. It helps the show immensely. And so many blessings and thank you for that as well. Uni bless you. <laughs> anyway, with all of that being said, let's get on with the show, shall we? And now, I believe it is time to let the magic begin with Tylin Mackenzie. your energy and I'm so happy we're connecting. I am so, so happy that we're connecting to Raquel. Honestly, you were the first podcast that I ever listened to when I made the switch from Pandora to Spotify. And I just <laughs> saw that your own magic. And I, just, I really, really connected with you and Allie both. And I'm so happy that you've continued the podcast. So um, I'm really, yeah. Oh, thank you so much. I'm sure Allie that would love to hear that as well. I don't know where my life would be without continuing this podcast. I'm so thankful for it and for people like you. As we begin this, I'm curious, what lights you up most in this season of your life, Tylin? There's so many things that light me up. <laughs> so I actually have my own podcast called Change for the Zest, and it's all about envisioning the world where Everyone gets to do what lights them up, what makes them feel zesty. For me, that's a lot of different things. I mean, having the podcast, I'm a multifaceted healer. So I love my massage therapy as my craft. Reiki healing, so fun. I've been having the most intense Reiki sessions with clients, and I always learn through energy healing. I love yoga. I love writing poetry. I love astrology and I'm a constant, I'm constantly learning about astrology. I'm a student of the stars and will be for my whole life. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I love hearing this. And for those that are listening that they feel connected to this multifaceted healing experience or expression for their human form, would love to hear more about how you explored this in your spiritual journey along with your story and where you realize, you know what, I really want to explore deeper and connect with more people in this way. Hmm. Well, I would say my spiritual journey really started intensely when I went back to school for massage therapy. And I did that because I was in a really toxic, physically abusive relationship and I needed healing. And I kept getting the sign like, go to massage therapy school, go to massage therapy school in multiple different ways, which the universe really does support you if you are willing to listen to the signs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I did. And then that's when all of the doors opened up for me. Massage was truly the catalyst into understanding my journey with spirituality and why I felt this intense pressure my whole life, honestly, because I grew up in the Catholic church. But when I was really, really young at um, from the time I was born until I was eight years old, my mom was actually a Wiccan. So she practiced earth magic, some of my earliest memories, I was like out in the forest with her making fairy houses. Wow. <laughs> um, so I've but I've always felt this pressure of like, I want to understand spirituality deeper. I want to connect with the realms of the divine deeper and deeper and deeper. And I guess I just didn't feel satisfied with the answers that I was receiving from mentors in the Christian faith. 
and I um I feel like I was I've always been sort of a natural rebel <laughs> like pushing back so I just it really has been this journey my whole life but I sort of you know blocked that out and numbed it when I was in that physically abusive relationship and then exiting out of it getting to heal my body and actually face the trauma that my body went through unlocked so much and yeah I mean I got into Reiki because of massage and the first time I heard about Reiki I was like this is magic what (laughs) this is literally magic um so yeah that was a beautiful journey and then I also I studied shamanism as well um and that also is something that really lights me up I love to practice shamanic journeying which is really simple and I would love for more people to know about this and to practice this because we all have a third eye. We're all psychic. We're all intuitive. And it's so simple. You literally just lie down, maybe have some crystals and (laughs) you have a drum beat going and you're just letting your consciousness travel and seeing uh, what guidance wants to come through for you. It's that simple. I could, I could keep going, Raquel, (laughs) go on and on. And I want you to, I want you to, I think that's so beautiful to hear all the variety that you have explored and you're continuing to explore. And I love that you say that you're still a student. And I think that's so important to emphasize. I always feel like I'm constantly learning, learning from everyone that I'm a student listening to the other person in a variety of ways. And I think that when we open ourselves up to that, honestly, that's when we really do the work and we learn more, not when we feel like, oh, I'm the teacher. I'm here. I have all the knowledge in the world, you know? Yeah, 100%. And I've really had to own that polarity in my natal chart through astrology where (laughs) my south node is in Gemini. So I feel really comfortable as the student. I feel really comfortable with all of my books and yeah. researching and being a total nerd. Um, but then my moon and my uh, my north node in Sagittarius is like, okay, yeah, you know all this stuff. You're also here to be a teacher. Yes. And then I <laughs> – but then it is, a, it is something where, you know, even the teachers are still students mm-hmm. for life. 100%. The teachers are still learning from their students. Of course, it's beautiful to tap into that powerful leader side and to realize that you are worthy of standing there and teaching and being somebody that is a guide while simultaneously recognizing that we're all students learning together. It's a really beautiful thing to be able to own that balance. And for me, I love the word guide because mm-hmm. it's like you're just you're holding space for people. And that's truly what I feel about healing. Like I really feel as if I am just the channel for this divine healing energy to come through, but it's actually my clients that are doing their own healing by accepting it, Mm. being in this open, receptive state. I know that there are so many listening that feel they have this power within them to be a healer however they might fear taking the first step and actually making it happen perhaps they've taken the first step and becoming aware of it but then the next step in putting themselves out there to 
make this a life for themselves, whether it even is a career or something that they just do because they love it as a passion. Do you have any advice for those who are ready to take that next step? Honestly, I think for me getting into healing, it felt like I was remembering being a healer. Do you know what I mean? It felt like I was so familiar in the space of healing. And I think that that, if anyone listening is feeling the call to be a healer, also will have that same feeling come up of like, wow, this feels so familiar. I'm meant to be here. And it's it's so important to trust that and to not doubt it. I think that's been... Honestly, one of my biggest lessons, especially when it comes to more of my spiritual healing with Reiki, because my gifts, I'm clairsentient and clairvoyant. Mm -hmm. So when I'm giving Reiki, I go into this deep trance and I see images attached to some sort of feeling. So that might be, you know, power animal might come through, a past life might come through. Spirit loves to speak in symbolism. So that happens a lot. And then my client understands why I'm feeling that, but I don't because I'm just the channel. But for the longest, especially when I was still living in Minnesota in a conservative town, like, um, you know, people sort of giving me the side eye, I always felt a little shame around my gift. Like, maybe I shouldn't share this because it's freaking people out. So it it really took me a while to learn how to trust that this is actually a gift and I'm helping people. And it's amazing when you unblock that fear of what others are thinking of you sharing this expression of yourself, what ends up coming for you from the universe. It's a block that a lot of people do have to eventually get over most everybody. But when you do, it's amazing what happens. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's what it's all about on this journey of spirituality is learning how to trust your intuition and and to really tune into the realms of the divine and to know that you are always divinely guided. So (laughs) I'm on TikTok. I love creating on TikTok. And I didn't realize like as I was doing this, I, I make card videos and I really created my catchphrase of you are divinely guided here for every video, but I truly believe that like we are all divinely guided. So just listen. I absolutely (laughs) love that. And I know you felt divinely guided to learn more about astrology or the asteroids in astrology. Yeah. So astrology actually came to me in a really weird way. (laughs) So I was still living in Minnesota and I decided to start my own massage therapy business there. And I looked at a room to rent. And at the time it was a storage room. So it was filled to the ceiling literally with junk. But there was one thing in the room that really caught my eye. And that was a statue of this man with an ibis bird head who is known as Thoth, Thoth, whatever you want to call him. And all I knew about him at the time was that he was the Egyptian god of writing. Mm -hmm. And I think I learned that like really, really early, like when I was a kid or something, because I've always loved writing poetry and English class was my jam. And so I just I just knew that about him. And I felt such a pull to him. And the landlord, she was like, I think this statue is creepy. Like, do you want him? And I'm like, Yes, I do. I felt so much. I felt so much love for this deity. Uh, And 
um, since then, so it was, it was really funny. It was like she gave me this initiation without even realizing she was the catalyst for that initiation. Wow. Because I learned that he, you know, is the god of the moon, of mysteries, of magic, literally, <laughs> and of astrology. He was actually the first being said to uh, have brought astrology to the planet um, through Thoth in his Egyptian form, Dehudi in his African form, um, and also he is reincarnated as Hermes. Um, he's like the same energy as Mercury. Um, he also, I, I personally feel like I've gotten this download about about his energy as well, that he has a strong connection with the archetype of Merlin. Oh, wow. So honestly, <laughs> yeah, honestly, so true though. And yeah, he's really been honestly one of my biggest spiritual teachers mm -hmm. on this path. Um, and so that's how I got into astrology. Wow. And then I, I've been self-studying with astrology. I've taken... Um, a few a few courses but a lot of my journey has honestly just been me my gemini south node nerding out with all of my books i love that <laughs> um reading and getting a deeper understanding but the asteroid goddesses they opened my heart so wide wow. when i first learned about them <laughs> and i love I that I was like, how can we ignore these goddesses? I mean, especially for you, Raquel, like they are in some really prominent places in your natal chart. That's wild. First of all, I don't even know where they are. I don't know who they are. I'm excited to hear all about it. You're introducing me to this. Yeah. And I think honestly, more people, I would love for more people to have awareness of these goddesses because they were in ancient times just as important as Zeus, Hades, all these other big figures. They were just as important. And honestly, in the natal chart, the only two feminine forces that we have in traditional astrology is the moon as the mother and Venus as mm. the lover. And so that that's only two. I mean, some people... You know, honestly, I do have to say I've meditated a lot with Saturn and Saturn having rulership over Capricorn, which is a cardinal earth sign. I've been able to connect with Saturn as a wise sage medicine woman. Um, really? Like walking up a mountain one step at a time. Oh, yeah. Wow. I really connect with Saturn in that dualistic way of because I know a lot of people see him like, Oh, like the Lord of Time and kind of yeah. this like cranky guy. Maybe I'm optimistic because I have Saturn in Aquarius in my 12th house, which is where he rejoices and he's in domicile. So uh -huh. I've like <laughs> been able to like see him in a different light or his or his or her energy because I can see him in both lights. But honestly, traditionally, only Venus and the moon. So when you incorporate these asteroid goddesses, it does bring a balance of masculine and feminine energy, which I really love. And I think that's what is happening on the planet right now. I think we've been in a heavily focused masculine energy of yes. the go, go, go sort of hustle, which is beautiful about masculine energy. It can really yeah. focus in and get things done and the feminine, though, is more receptive and open. 
-hmm. And I think, I think in this world, we, we are, we have incarnated here as humans. Um, and so regardless of what sex we choose to identify as, I think all of us have a balance of both. So that's why I love working with them because they really just create this fullness in the natal chart. Mm, absolutely. Oh, this is so beautiful. What are the names of the asteroid goddesses and why are they significant in our lives? Okay, let's get into it. I'm going to nerd out with you. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> so there are four main asteroid goddesses. So Ceres, Juno, and Vesta are all sisters to Saturn and then Pallas, Athene, she is known to be Jupiter's daughter, but she also has a deep mythology, which we'll get into. So let's just break them all down one by one. So let's talk about Ceres first, the mother goddess, mm -hmm. because she was the first asteroid found and still today is the largest asteroid, which makes sense because she is an agriculture goddess. Um, I should tell the listeners, too, if you want to find out where these asteroid goddesses are, it's super simple. You just go to astro.com and under the extended section, you're going to just go to chart drawing style and do uh, it says astrodescent with asteroids and you're going to click that. Um, you also might want to change it to whole sign house system, which is what I resonate most with, I think, because of my connection with Thoth and the whole sign being the most traditional way of utilizing astrology, having each zodiac sign be 30 degrees each. Um, so that's how you find them. And you're going to see Ceres as a sickle because of her connection with agriculture. So Ceres is also known as Demeter. And those of you might know her story, Demeter's story with Persephone as her daughter. If you don't, I'll just explain it really quickly. So one day Persephone is just walking around in flowers. It was, it was known in that time to be like sort of springtime all year round. How beautiful. So she's just walking around and then <laughs> Pluto, Hades, abducts her and takes her to the underworld. And so Ceres is enraged. I mean, she was really connected with her daughter, even had sort of an energy of even sm like smothering her, her daughter um, because she just loved her so much. And so, yeah, when she couldn't find her daughter, she was in rage and she actually stopped providing for the humans. Um, she stopped providing food um, and she disguised herself as a human and would walk around in the streets. And eventually this um, like famous family picked her up off the streets and had her take care of their kid. And one day the mother walked in and <laughs> she was bathing her kid and like the the fires of the divine <laughs> and so like the other gods were like Zeus was like we cannot have this anymore our humans aren't being fed so they sent Mercury who is a psychopomp he can travel between the realms as a traveler god they sent him down to the underworld to work out a deal so now that's why we're said to have the seasons because Persephone is in the underworld for half of the year and she's with her mother for the other half of the year. Yeah. So in that myth, I mean, Ceres embodies like how we've 
how we can handle rage, anger, separation, alienation, rejection, and still learn to unconditionally love ourselves, to nourish ourselves. So she holds that key for unconditional Mm. love. Oh, that's beautiful. It's something we all deserve, something I hope we all hold in some capacity, mm-hmm. even though it's hard for some, harder for some. Mm-hmm. Well, we all have an inner mother, just as we all have an inner child. Mm, yep. Yeah. So Ceres, just, you know, for astrology people to get a deeper understanding of her, if you speak the astrology language, she does have rulership over Cancer, obviously, as like her mothering side, Virgo as the earth has her earthy side. And then she also has rulership over the polarity of Taurus and Scorpio. And you can kind of see that with, you know, being this agriculture goddess, but also all of the the pain and the sadness that she endured to learn how to love herself unconditionally. Wow. Seeing the chart you just sent me and I'm looking at her and it's interesting. I see what you're saying that it's in a prominent location. If I'm right, is it right <laughs> with my sun and moon? You're right and- on <laughs> right on your sun. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's wild. That's wild. <laughs> Yeah, you have a lot of second house energy. But yeah, with Ceres on your sun, that's why I told you in the beginning of this that I do feel so safe with you mm-hmm. and so nurtured, even just by like your voice and your presence. <laughs> and I can see that now with Ceres right on your sun. But it's also like this energy you have, Raquel, of nurturing people with create with their creativity and sort of holding a space for your own creativity, but then sparking that out in others. Like, yeah, you can be on center stage. Like, I got you. I'm going to be throwing throwing some roses up at you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. See, it's so funny how I keep hearing the same messages over and over and over again from different spiritual modalities. It's so wild. And I think when other people look at their charts in a variety of ways, even including this asteroid goddess, looking at that along with how it might be similar to your human design chart as you look at the parallels between both of those charts and you can see how everything it's so wild how there's a variety of ways it's expressed and this is just a new layer that gives more confirmation as to what we might already know and feel but it's something that brings a lot of confidence for whatever reason to know like okay this is good I'm doing what I'm supposed to yeah 100% and that's why I love all of these modalities. It's all about self-awareness and understanding ourselves deeper and deeper. And honestly, that's why my business name is Rebuild Soul Trust, because I truly feel like that's my mission on Earth is to uncover more and more layers of myself and build deeper and deeper trust with my soul, knowing who I am now in the present moment, but also who I have been and even who I will be. And then providing that same, you know, essentially what I do is hold up a mirror for others to embrace their essence. Which is what you're doing right now. (laughs) 
I love this. Where's your series? Where is she located on your chart? Oh, so you're probably hearing her in my voice because I have series in my first house of Pisces. So I'm a Pisces rising. And it's really wow. interesting. So I have Mercury in between Black Moon Lilith and Ceres. So Ceres is at 29 degrees of Pisces. So she's um, in a really prominent place in my natal chart, but also in conjunction with Mercury, the way that I speak and express myself. But then Mercury also is being influenced by Black Moon Lilith. So it's really interesting to have both polarities in my voice of like, yeah, the divine feminine nurturing mother, nourishing goddess, but also this like raw feminine dark goddess energy in my voice. Oh, I don't hear the dark energy. I guess I guess maybe I should rephrase Black Moon Lilith because I don't want people to think of her as if she is dark because she's the part of our like she's known as the dark goddess because she's the part of ourselves that is so wild and free and liberated that she can hold space for us to process things like anger and rage and sadness um so yeah she kind of is I I I imagine Lilith when I'm just like sticking out my tongue and doing like low dance and just like shaking my body (laughs) doing shamanic shaking that sort of black moon Lilith energy not that it's dark I should rephrase that yeah right no of course and I also don't think of dark all the time as like a negative thing of course um and I emphasize that in so many ways it's just another expression of course Mm -hmm. it can be emphasized in a negative expression with some connotation like just depending on the context but Mm -hmm. I think that that's beautiful I think this idea this myth of black lilith or I don't even know if some people like to refer it as a myth I always think of these as like mythologies but they feel Mm -hmm. there's definitely a light to them that feels so real as if they're still living in another realm you know 100% that's why I love working with the energy of archetypes I wanted to I wanted to make a note about series in her more ancient times she really was the host of the Eleusinian mysteries which obviously are mysteries but I've you know through shamanic journeying I've been able to connect with series. Again, this is why I love working with archetypes because they do have energy that you can ask for assistance and guidance from. But with the Eleusinian Mysteries, I really believe that series would essentially have these people come together and gather together and take substances of the earth that have psychedelic effects to them and she would host these gatherings for people as a part of her of of her culture and lineage so I wanted to note that about series Mm, such a beautiful (laughs) archetype I already love her and I'm excited to learn more about her and the others as well yes so yeah Palis Athene I think is definitely with us. Some people just call her Athena. You might know her as that. She is the goddess of wisdom. So yeah, I love that Palis too for you is right in this beautiful conjunction with Chiron in your first house. Mm. And it's like this energy for you of embodying both of these archetypal energies through your body and through your expression. Mm -hmm. And I feel the same way with Palis right on my ascendant. So she is a multifaceted goddess. She's the goddess of healing, 
the goddess of creative arts. She actually was said to have brought weaving into the world. She also is a warrior goddess. <laughs> uh, so she's really big on strategy and how we perceive reality and how we understand our patternings. And she also is a political activist. So she really cares about, about people and their well-being and all of these different ways. So Palis, her mythology, it's, yeah, it's really interesting because her earlier roots actually go back to Africa, where she was a snake goddess. Palis is associated with both the owl and the snake, which are animals that I love and that have been major guides for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, Palis was originally known as a snake goddess. Neith was her name. And when she went into Greek mythology, they split her character from um, Pallas to Medusa, um, Pallas and Medusa. And they made her essentially kill Medusa and cut off her matriarchal lineage, which is so heartbreaking when you really like, I've sat with this a lot and, uh, and it is it's it hurts to know that she like just cut off she was forced to cut off her roots of who she is um so with palis it is a lot about reclaiming the connection to your own divine feminine sexuality because she's seen as one of the boys like as the warrior goddess uh, a woman in a man's world <laughs> um but she also, she's so good with strategy, which is what I love about her because when she was, you know, transferred into the Greek culture, she had a totally different story where she was birthed out of the forehead of Jupiter and actually is said to be Jupiter's favorite. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's why she has a lot of like mental energy around her, um, that creative energy which is so beautiful that you know the the woman archetype has gone from like just the moon and venus to having all of these options available because we are multifaceted so i love that palis represents that oh beautiful dear yummies i have an even better offer a 100 dollar offer for you from our sponsor green chef aka the number one meal kit for eating well yes 100 off throughout your first four boxes when you go to greenchef.com magic 100 now green chef makes leading a healthier life easier than ever with satisfying home-cooked dinners with options that work around your lifestyle and not the other way around everything is hand-picked featuring organic veggies and they're delivered to your door pre-measured and mostly prepped in insulated packaging and this is the best part this is what really sold me green chef is the most sustainable meal kit offsetting 100 percent of its direct carbon emissions and plastic packaging in every box so you can feel great about what you're eating and how I got to your table. <laughs> I've been making many meals on my own, making their plant-powered dishes on my own. What I love about it is that, I mean, since I'm making it for myself, I have leftovers for the next two or three days, 
which my wallet is very thankful for. And sure, because they sponsored the show, they do send me some foods, but also I love it so much. I even make a purchase of my own on occasion. So I must say that I genuinely love their meals. And random fact, I'm really excited about their black bean flautas because Mexican food is my favorite kind of food of all time. They'll be sending a healthier black bean flauta with kale salad and guacamole on the menu. Mwah, so heavenly. Anyway, Go to greenchef.com slash magic100 and use code magic100 to get $100 off including free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash magic100, yes, an American 100, magic100, and use code magic100 to get $100 off including free shipping. And again, Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well. Anyway, bon appetit. And on with the show. When we look at this, and I notice that she, this warrior goddess, is in my first house. And for you, you said it's in your rising sign. Which which house is that in? So Palis is actually in, she's in my Aquarius 12th house. Mm -hmm. But my Pisces ascendant is at zero degrees. So like I, (laughs) yeah, so I like my ascendant is like the pure undiluted energy of Pisces. And then I have affecting it Saturn and Palis, which are um, in a conjunction right on my zero degree Pisces ascendant. Oh, wow. Okay. So then when someone's looking at their chart and they see where she is or even Ceres or even Vesta or Juno, wherever they are, what is the relationship with the house? And then what's interesting is what if it is placed at the zero degree? So the zero degrees essentially just means that it's the first pure energy of that zodiac sign Mm -hmm. and then the the other question I guess it's so it's so different looking at a natal chart for every single person because we're all so unique so I love to look I love to take it all in I love to see what's the house what planets are interacting with this goddess like for you you have Ceres and your and your son um in this you know, square with Mars and, and Vesta. Mm-hmm. Um, so like they're interacting in this a different way. So it's going to be, it's going to show up differently for, for every person. And that's why I love to work one-on-one with people and hold that space so they can really tap into their essence. Oh, it's beautiful. So they can really understand and tap into it. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Do you have more to say about Palis or do you want to share anything about Juno and Vesta? Yeah, so I should say too for um, Palis, she has rulership over Aquarius, which is why I feel so strongly about her because she is in domicile in in my natal chart. She also has rulership over the Leo and Aquarius axis. So yeah, you can see that with her creativity. Like she's just such a creative goddess. But then the Aquarius is all about humanitarian mm-hmm. values. And you can see that as a political activist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Pela sounds like such a badass woman. She is a badass. Like- She's in your first house. So you embody that <laughs> badass energy of like so multifaceted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I'll take it. It's interesting, though, to think like series is in my I have so much in my second house, which is interesting mm-hmm. given my relationship with money and everything else. But yeah, it's so funny how that is such a heavy focus and that series happens to be there as well. I'm like, are you kidding me? Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the second house. So when I look at the natal chart, I love to actually look at past life indications. I think that's so fascinating to me. Yeah. And I see that through the earth and water houses. And so the second house is an earth house. So this is, I mean, a huge emphasis for you, Raquel, on past life stuff. And you even have your south node there, like, right, like (laughs) conjunct your ruling planet, the moon. (laughs) So Yeah, but this feels to me like an emphasis on the soul learning that you know, money does come and go and we're all universally connected, but there's so much, I mean, karmic imprints of good karmic imprints because Jupiter and Venus at both of these beautiful uh, energies here of being very generous with resources. Mm -hmm. And I see that, I feel that from you just having this podcast, like you're just so generous in giving because the soul understands that, when when you give to someone else, you're actually giving to yourself. And a lot of this lifetime with the emphasis on the second house is the soul is learning self-worth and really to feel so worthy. And I see that like that polarity within this natal chart of understanding like, yeah, these material possessions do bring my my human some sort of comfort and I guess I just love having some material items but then the soul is like well I actually don't need any of that I don't Mm -hmm. need any of that so there's a balance of the two and uh, learning how to navigate that in a way that feels really aligned I love that about your soul though that just generosity because Leo I'll tell you I imagine Leo because it's fixed fire Mm-hmm. I imagine it like a bonfire that everyone's gathered around. Everyone's laughing, singing, beautiful <laughs> connections are being had, heartfelt connections because Leo rules the heart. And as I was meditating on your chart, I was seeing a fire, like that bonfire energy so big that it actually lit up the sky and it was this connection to the cosmic realms. I actually saw like a UFO like hovering above the bonfire Um, So that's what I do. Like I meditate with the natal chart and sometimes imagery comes through. So that came through. And then I also saw with Ceres there and Leo, I saw this um, um, sort of dramatic relationship with food and healing the relationship with food through having colorful plates. I I would I kind of Mm -hmm. was meditating and I saw like um, you know those like circle plates that come out you could spin it around if you're on a table and they were all yeah. just so beautiful and like aesthetically pleasing like just to look <laughs> at the food <laughs> wow that is wild and then what was the messaging from the food and the colorful food so essentially that 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 was it just healing through having this relationship with food that is sort of dramatic in that sense like <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) I get it. I get it. This human has lived through a lot of having to eat so drastically in a certain way and restriction and now learning like it's about 
the love and the pleasure and nothing else. It's really interesting, like the evolution of what the human goes through with food. But I figured that's most people's scenario, but maybe not. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I can see it really heavy with the series and your son squaring the Mars and your Vesta, especially around like food and rituals of creating that like a safe Mm. space for like this connection to the food that is greater than the food itself like food as even spiritual nourishment yep 100 percent. (laughs) yeah no that's one reason why and I forget to a lot of the times but sometimes when when I don't forget to or neglect to I might not even forget I might just neglect to because I have a human mind that sometimes likes to get in the way but when I do pray to my food. It's just amazing how I feel every bite nourish every bit of my soul and every cell in my body. Yeah. So, so beautiful. Yeah. That was a really interesting imagery, like all of the colorful, colorful food. So (laughs) I love that so much. Yeah. (laughs) Where were we with the astro goddesses? I (laughs) think Payless. There's likely so much to share. Yeah, I guess I will say Payless is totally a badass. <laughs> and she, um, you you guys might have seen the movies um, Percy Jackson um, and how like the daughter of Athena and the son of Poseidon were um, like sort of in this friendship when their parents had so much beef. And that's the truth. Like Payless and Poseidon, really like had a lot of competitions and Payless always proved herself and that was through her sense of strategy another thing I feel really inspired to do because of Payless and all of her mental energy that she has and just where she is in my natal chart I really feel called to study hypnosis and past life regression yes 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 Uh, (laughs) it scares the shit out of me I'll be so honest it scares me because I know it's my sole purpose to incorporate that type of healing and it's deep unconscious healing and I know like I'm here to be a multifaceted healer but something in me it's like I know my Saturn Saturn's already in Aquarius and is edging edging up to 27 degrees so I'm you know (gasps) in the thick of it you're on the precipice it's coming <laughs> it's here it's happening you even just said it out loud yeah I know it's, people know it's something that it's like I know I'm dreading now but I know once I do it like I'll feel so fulfilled and it's not even about me it's not even about me it's about all of the people that I'm gonna help through this but yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. That's so beautiful. And I, I just have to say that I feel your heart as you speak and it's so pure and your intentions. You have the most beautiful, purest intentions. Some of the most that I've ever seen talking with somebody, connecting with them as a guest on the podcast. As, though, of course, I've had many beautiful guests. Of, of course, of course, I can just really feel your intentions are so pure and it's a nice, refreshing thing to feel. Oh, thank you so much, Raquel. <laughs> I think all of this makes so much sense as far as your soul's mission and calling and being a multifaceted healer and taking that next step into, especially with everything you're doing right now, into hypnotherapy and past life regression, especially since that's something that's highly sought after because humans that are not 
open to a lot of spiritual modalities might not be so open to certain things like, I don't know, just like astrology, for example, you know, I understand my human friends that aren't interested in it because they don't, they only hear about the surface stuff. So they're not so open. But then for whatever reason, it seems more people are open to hypnotherapy because for whatever reason, even though to me, it's just as significant and meaningful as a variety of other healing modalities in the spiritual space. I don't know if it's the rhetoric around it, but people that might not be interested in spiritual modalities are interested in that. And therefore, you're able to help heal more people. Yeah, 100%. I guess I've never thought of it in that way of like, that's sort of why uh, I guess I've been drawn to all of these modalities because you know, it's the people that are seeking my medicine. I'm here. And whatever way they need that assistance, I have all these tools in my tool belt. I think that's so beautiful. Just like a healer library right there. (laughs) Everything you need. Go to shop. I love it. I love it. Okay, I'm super curious. I have to hear about Juno and Vesta as well. We can't leave them out. We can't leave them out, especially for you, because they're so, I mean, all four of these goddesses are in prominent places for you. So I guess we've been talking about this square with Ceres and Vesta. So let's go there and and save Juno for last, because she's really spicy in your natal chart. (laughs) 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 Yeah, so let's talk about Vesta. So Vesta is the high priestess. She is the keeper of the sacred flame. And it's really interesting because her asteroid actually is so bright. It's shining, which Vas in Sanskrit actually does mean shining, which is I find so interesting. And so because of that hearth fire energy, she represents hospitality and and providing a sacred space, a sacred container. She's all about ceremony and ritual. In ancient times, actually, they would have always a fire burning. And if you were to travel to someone else's, you know, palace or whatever, which honestly, Raquel, like, I feel like you spend a lot of lifetimes in royalty, like in these palaces, side note. Um, <laughs> but like, they come to visit you and, and they put their fire in your hearth fire. And it's like, everyone feels safe because of that. So yeah, Vesta also, her mythology is really interesting because she is known as the Vestal Virgin. And virgin in ancient times didn't actually mean someone who didn't have sex at all. It actually meant someone who was whole to themselves. So Vesta unlocks that key for us, how we can feel whole, 100% whole within ourselves. Like we don't need anybody else. And so in these Vestal, um, in these Vestal temples, these women would practice sacred sex rites. And in ancient times, these vestals were regarded of such high status that if a baby was born of a vestal virgin, they were considered royalty. They were treated like royalty. But when the, when the patriarchy sort of set in motion, the patriarchy destroyed these Vestal Virgin temples and these Vestals were prohibited from practicing their sacred sex rites and awful. I mean, it like hurts my heart to think about 
like the awful, horrible things that would happen to these women for not partaking in what, you know, what they love. Um, And this, I mean, this is still even a conversation today, like sex work 100% should, should be legal. It's consensual and healing for both parties involved. And it's still continued on. And I and I really love that it's been coming up more and more in conversation because Vesta right now has been transiting through one of her home signs of Virgo since the ending of 2020. And she'll be there until July of this year. Wow. So it's been a really long transit. And I've been seeing a lot of conversation around sex work come up. And I'm like, yes, this is beautiful um um, yeah so Vesta um for you I can see because she's in conjunction with your Mars here um and in the 11th house which is all around community and networks and friendships and in the sign of Taurus I was feeling into this with this conjunction with this square because I see squares yes as places of of tension but tension actually is producing a lot of energy. So you can, you know, obviously have that energy be something that's destructive or out of control, but you also can harness that energy to be really, um, you know, productive in your life. And I can see this for you with Ceres and Vesta of like holding the space as the mothering, motherly nurturing provider, but also the high priestess and and having the space for people to feel into their creativity and into their bodies because of that. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, so Vesta rules over Virgo and Scorpio. So you can see that Virgo with her habits, rituals, um, her dedication and focus to her work, which I feel that a lot from you too, like this um, intense dedication and focus to your work and a lot of it is around the community that you're providing for no yeah um, 1000 <laughs> percent. yeah and also she has rulership of scorpio with all of her sacred sex rights yeah <laughs> i knew she did i like thought about that right away i was like oh she rules scorpio or does something with scorpio oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's Vesta. Vesta's another badass. I like her. I I honestly love Vesta and I've been connecting with her so much with this super long transit of Virgo she's been in and mm. in this transit she's really been showing me how important it is for us to create magic in our daily rituals. Um she like would ha- she has me like clasp my hands together and imagine that I'm holding my sacred flame and just like feeling that electric energy in between my fingers. And she's also been sharing with me a lot recently how important it is that the collective releases shame around what brings us pleasure. Like if it's not bringing harm to anyone else, release that shame of what is bringing you pleasure. Because Vesta's like, I want more people to have pleasure in their daily routines. Like, let's go. (laughs) Amen, sister. Amen, amen, amen. Again, we were talking earlier and that restriction, food was one area. But so many things I felt I had to, because of the narrative around certain, like, for example, spirituality and other things, 
because of the narrative around it, I thought I had to show up in a certain way. And I ended up restricting my human, not allowing her to liberate herself and be who she really wants to be and show up and explore how she really wants to show up. And because I thought I had to present myself in a certain way, just like when I was, and you're familiar with this likely, um, when I was Mormon, you know, I thought I had to be show up and present myself in a certain way in order to be worthy, you know. And so I think when we can let go of these limitations and these boundaries and just be and express ourselves, however that is, that's the most spiritual, the most beautiful, the most pure thing you can do for your soul. And liberation has been a theme of my life lately. Wow. I love that, that you're saying that because of your North Node in Aquarius and your <laughs> your natal chart is like really heavily lacking air placements. Yeah. Um, that's like your, you have, you have arrows in your 12th house, but yeah, the North Node in Aquarius, because when I think about a liberation, I think of Aquarius energy because uh, Aquarius is, well, traditionally ruled by Saturn, but in modern astrology is ruled by Uranus, and Uranus is the great awakener, the liberator, wants to shake things up and start a revolution, and for you, like, being in that eighth house, it's, like, liberation around um, all of, yeah, like, you were speaking to, all of the shame, like, the eighth house is the house of psychology like mm -hmm. to the depths of our psyche and in the occult sex even um intimacy yep. yeah mm -hmm, all of that mm, i feel that and yeah thank you for seeing that and honoring it well it's beautiful because it's like the soul is evolving that's how i see the nodes it's yeah. like the south node is energy that we feel really comfortable in we've sort of mastered yeah. it which you're like so Leo, which <laughs> honestly, Raquel, like your energy right now is so nourishing for oh. me because the only Leo placement I have is Chiron. Wow. So I love, I'm just like loving, loving, loving your Leo energy. Oh. But it's like in order for the soul to, you know, evolve because we are on this journey of growth. And I, what I'm coming to learn about growth is that it's organic. Earth energy sort of moves very slowly and so it's okay to have this sort of organic growth but for you to be you know in that process of being liberated and moving towards humanitarian values and the community and the collective I just think that's in bringing these deep mystical occult topics to the mm -hmm. collective I, I just I'm so grateful oh, for you oh my gosh Thailand <laughs> This Leo energy wants to give you a big hug. I'll tell you that. Oh my gosh. That's so, so yes. sweet. I have, I have one quick question before we continue on with the asteroid yeah. goddesses. What are your thoughts on when a sun and moon share the same sign? Because I hear a variety of different things. And so I'm just curious what you think. So that's either going to mean that you are born on a balsamic moon or a new moon. Um, which you're you're born on a balsamic moon, <laughs> but I guess it just it means something different for everyone. Like it depends. Like for the balsamic moon phase, it's more about the ending of a cycle and reorientation towards the future, which for me even feels very like Aquarian like at balsamic moons. Yeah, because of that like reorientation towards the future and envisioning a better world for the future. But then new moons are all about. I think of new moon times as planting the seed starting generating initiating energy but then that seed 
has to like fight to see the light. So it's very much like, let's go. Like car it's almost like cardinal energy for the modalities. Okay. Very beautifully said. That energy is heightened too. Like when anytime you have like three or more plant three or more planets in one sign, it's like that energy is it's what we call a stellium in astrology, if you yeah. hear that word. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just a heavy concentration. Like the soul is really embodying that energy. Yeah. And you also have what we call in astrology, you're a night chart because your sun is below the horizon. So yeah. it's, yes, it's Leo energy, but it's operating in a nocturnal consciousness. So it might not be like, um, like it might not be as like dineral, I'm saying that word weird, but like a sun that's in a day chart, a sun that's in a day chart versus a night chart. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I love this so much. I hope that other astrology nerds are geeking out over this conversation. Oh, I I love to nerd out. And we still have to talk about Juno, which she, okay. So actually looking at your natal chart, the most When I'm meditating, if I were to give you a reading full on, I would have gone to this aspect right away, but we've just been like chilling, chatting. So I've been saving the best for last, you guys. So (laughs) so I love to look at the natal chart through the lens of the ruling planet, which for you is the moon. And you have your moon in this square with Pluto and Juno in your fifth house of creativity. I think of the fifth house of there's a lot of correlations with the fifth house and Leo energy in general, because the fifth house is all around like creativity, passion, romance, sometimes even children. Yeah. And even um, self-expression as well, which oh, I do. Oh, yeah. One, 100%. And so you have Pluto and Juno here in this conjunction And they're both in domicile because Pluto and Juno both rule over Scorpio. So it's really intense, strong energy. And anytime I have a, I see a moon and Pluto aspect that's stressful, either an opposition or a square, I think of like identity and emotion that's willing to go through multiple transformation phases I, th- I think of even like the energy of, of Kalima is every time I see a moon in Pluto, I, I think of, of her uh, energy as like this because the moon is the mother and then Pluto is the, you know, all of the aspects of Kali that are around death and rebirth and transformation. And so she sort of embodies that archetype with this, uh, with this aspect here. And so, yeah, so Juno with the moon, I mean, I really feel, I was feeling into this, like, it's so, so important for the soul to have a relationship that is willing to go to the depths. Because I see Scorpio, like, fixed, it is fixed water, so I see it as a well like going to the depths, like one of those old school wells or even a fire hose, which contains the water in this fixed way that even has the power to destroy. I mean, Scorpio is the only sign of the Zodiac that has a natural weapon attached to it, like as its little Scorpio's tail. Um, so yeah, I really see this energy like in the natal chart as 
yeah these these two energies coming together as having partnership that is can be going to the depths but also to create something together so i'm saying that because juno in our natal chart represents what we are committed to especially in one-on-one and intimate relationships so her mythology you also might know her as hera zeus's wife so her heartbreak her heartbreaking mythology oh it always gets me so she was forced to marry zeus and in this marriage zeus would repeatedly cheat on her um, and caused a lot of heartbreak. He even destroyed her early cults. She was known as the cow-eyed goddess in ancient times. And even um, she has a lot of correlations in ancient times to being like an uh, earth goddess as well. And even like a goddess of the underworld because you might see her with a pomegranate which is really fascinating that she's right next to Pluto here with all of that going on (laughs) but yeah in her mythology she um there was there's a lot of stories around her retreating into solitude just to get a hold of herself um just just to be with herself um but also energy around her like getting revenge to Zeus like she uh she worked with Palis Athene one time to like get revenge on Zeus and then Zeus literally hung her from the heavens um so it's just a lot of like back and forth but throughout that she stayed committed so in our natal chart she represents you know power dynamics within relationships what we're what we're willing to sacrifice what we're not willing to sacrifice what we've come into this lifetime to commit to especially in in regards to partnerships so with this moon and the emotions here there can be um patterns of like placing projecting one's emotions on the other but it's because the soul's really desires to merge intimately emotionally because that's what I think of with Scorpio energy like merging uh it's very intimate as a sign because it's a water sign um so yeah that's what I'm seeing here with your Juno and Pluto conjunction because Pluto is like our deepest desires Pluto is the planet of the unconscious power so this is a super super prominent <laughs> aspect that you have in your natal chart so yeah i'm really curious like what your thoughts are on on that so when you're saying that there's sacrifice but it's also something that it, essentially you want to hold you want to harness you want to have part of your life and i see that with romance you know i sacrifice a lot to not have it but at the same time i know that that is coming in life along with a child. And I do go back and forth a lot with my self-expression. So there's so much there. Mm, Yeah, with Pluto and Juno here, I also have Juno in my fifth house. And I feel like that it's something, again, like scares the shit out of me thinking like I'm not ready to have a child. But with Juno in my fifth house, (laughs) um, yeah, I'm like, 
oh my gosh, I feel like this is a part of my my soul contract. So I'm just gonna mm -hmm. wait it out and like let divine timing happen. <laughs> exactly. It's all about divine timing. And I'm thankful that I got to live a lot of my life without one at the in the meantime. But I just know I just know within my soul, I have a child mm. coming along the way, I feel it whether I have her or not. But and I say her because I've been told and I've also felt she's a girl or maybe she might be a male that wants to be a girl who knows what ends up happening with that or maybe mm -hmm. it is a male that's more feminine who knows who knows but um I definitely feel no that. trust trust yourself Raquel you already you feel it and I honestly like I felt the same like I know I'm gonna if that does happen, I will have a boy because he's come through in Reiki sessions with women that don't know each other. And they all say the same thing. They're like, I saw a little boy with curly hair on a beach. They all describe him the same way. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, that's my spirit baby. Oh. He's like super impatient. <laughs> my spirit baby. <laughs> my friend Jordan was meditating on the top of Kauai and she felt and saw and I think spoke with my spirit baby who was a girl. And I was like, Oh, my gosh. And I think that the reason why I was there was actually to more than anything else was for a short period of time, I was there, but to connect with her. And I didn't even realize it. <laughs> yeah, well, I love that, though, because it's, you know, when this does happen, it's like this partner that's willing to go to the depths with you, Raquel, which I really love. I think that's, it's so beautiful. And I think, yeah, a lot of it will be around creative partnerships and even like when you when you think of birth too I do think about creativity and yeah. like those are babies themselves like our creative projects <laughs> yes 100 yeah. percent well that's another thing about Juno as well so there's like that sacrifice and I'm also waiting for a while to have a child I have so many different expressions to experience and I think I don't remember if it was part of this one I'm pretty sure you said something about how there are a variety of transformations to go through yes. and that's 100 mm -hmm. like I feel like even right now I'm kind of going through a new transformation to enter into a new phase of this human experience kind of letting go of even though I love her and I've been through many different phases and transformations of my life and I honor all of them and I love them all but I can feel as we evolve and grow as of course that's always a guarantee to change I feel myself like letting go of the Raquel mantra that people once knew and that I knew and I'm happily letting go you know because I, I love her but I feel like she's served her course and it's time to move forward and onward you know Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's with this aspect, I see that happening many times throughout your life. Yes. Uh, it's probably already happened many times. Oh, yes. The transformation of identity. Yes. So yeah. <laughs> many. And my close friends have known me for decades. You know, they've seen it all. They just think I'm somebody who definitely transforms a lot um, yeah it's <laughs> well, just part of my human experience yeah I mean if you think about the moon she is changing signs every two to three days and she's going through yeah. all of these different phases so I I mean that's the other thing too it's like embracing all of 
the phases that come into your life, all of the emotions and like letting yourself write it out because Pluto isn't going to let you not because Pluto is so powerful and Pluto's like, no, it's a rebirth time. Let's go like let this die like so we can rebirth this something new. So and that's like a constant area of, of tension that you can um, harness for your creative projects so yeah so beautiful and I also love that you said that my romantic partner and I are gonna have a very deep very intense very Mm, creative relationship I oh yeah fully feel that that's another reason why I'm really in no rush I don't try to seek it I'm Mm -hmm. just I just know it's happening in divine timing and there's other things that honestly I feel as though I need to experience before it happens and and maybe not but I just have this feeling this very strong feeling that there are it might not happen until if you look at my chart it looks like 2023 is a promising year Mm -hmm. but who knows yeah I really believe all things in divine timing you know it's like and I think you know when you love yourself so much and you've learned to love yourself as your number one priority that's when the best relationships manifest anyways yeah 100% (laughs) Um, (laughs) well you're in a relationship right now right oh yeah Uh uh-huh and it came because of that like we were both we both had done so much of our own healing and we were both ready um so our like the way we met was really funny we I was out at a pre-bachelorette party and he was just out with his friends on a random Sunday night and um we we met and then we decided to go out on our first date and there I learned that we both were gifted this turquoise piece of jewelry from our ancestors around the same time. And when I was gifted that, my my aunt was telling me how my grandpa thought of my grandma, like the sun, the stars, the moon, like she was everything to him. And I remember feeling like I'm so ready to have this like deep, intimate mm. relationship because I've done the work on, on myself. Yeah. And then, yeah, Josh came into my life and it was so organic so natural so like wow we've known each other for many many lifetimes and that's been the foundation of our relationship like understanding that we are here to really be our own first priority and we've both gone through so many transformations I guess even together but in our own space and we're just rooting for each other we want the best for each other so that is so beautiful (laughs) oh I'm so happy for you yeah and honestly so I used to be a a little like emo kid scene kid growing up I I love I love that (laughs) So um, I loved the song Blue and Yellow by The Used. You're the Used person. I knew it. Yeah. You're you're never going to find it if you're looking for it. It won't come your way. But then what I I didn't understand, because I didn't know about chakras when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I I didn't understand that Blue and Yellow makes green the heart chakra Anihata. Wow. (laughs) The Used knew what's up. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, so good. Before, do you want to do a random fire? Let's do it. Oh, I should I should say, too, um, Juno has rulership over Scorpio, which I've said, and also Libra, which is the balancing one-on-one partnerships. Oh, but yeah, let's wait. do some one-on-one fire. 
That's really cute. Okay, wait, hold on. Two seconds. Wait, Juno has over Libra for relationships mm-hmm. and yep. happens to also be in our fifth house. That's pretty interesting. Oh, oh wait, mm-hmm. Juno's in your fifth house, you said, right? Or was um, it Pluto? Yeah, Juno's, Juno's okay. in my fifth house as well, yeah. but Pluto's in your fifth house conjunct yes, Juno. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Wild. Okay, amazing. <laughs> All right. Are you... Thailand, an early bird or a night owl? Night owl. I, I The owl is like one of my biggest power animals. So yeah. <laughs> What's your morning routine like when you do wake up? So when I wake up, I have to play with my bobbies, my cowboy, my, my cat. He's sort of like he's yeah. a Gemini and he's very playful and he wants my attention right away. So I'll make some morning tea. I really like some black tea with honey and oat milk and I'll just sit and play with him. And sometimes so he loves EDM music. And <laughs> um, so I put on that and I'll like dance with him while I'm playing with him. And then I always practice yoga. I love practicing yoga. It just feels so good to breathe and to be in my body, especially because my craft of massage is physical. It's a physical craft. So I love to take care of myself in that way. Sometimes I meditate, but sometimes I wait to meditate until I'm at the office because Josh and I are living in a little studio right now in LA, so I don't have as much space as I would like to just zone out. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's go with my flow. That makes sense. You have to go with your own flow. People will share their, you know, step by step daily remedy, and you know, it might work for some people, it might not work for everybody. Yeah, yoga though, I never miss a day of of it. Like it just, I feel um, like my body feels really weird, even if I don't do like just five to 10 minutes of just stretching my body. Are you a coffee or tea person? I actually haven't had any coffee for the past three weeks because I realized that coffee would make it. um, I'm already someone who naturally has a lot of energy, airy sun, sag moon. I'm like fire. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. So coffee would just sort of uh, make me too jittery. Mm, So I really like black tea. Um, my mom always says, you want a cuppa? It's cuppa. Like, I was like, yeah, just like have some tea in the morning. I love that. (laughs) I love that. My favorite black tea is called Goblet of Fire. It's from Atticus in Park City, Utah. If anybody ever visits or looks at their site online, you can order it. It's the best black tea. It's the best tasting black tea in the world. Goblet of Fire. That so sounds good. so good. It's so good. It has a strong like cinnamon hint. It's so delicious. You don't even need any sweetener. It's just delicious, pure on its own. The Goblet of Fire was my favorite Harry Potter movie. <laughs> it's sort of a Harry- Do you know Same. what Hogwarts house you are? Uh, okay. So the thing is, is sometimes I feel like a Hufflepuff, and then sometimes I feel like a Ravenclaw. <laughs> I'm 100% a Ravenclaw. I see that. Like, I'm such a nerd. (laughs) I totally see that. (laughs) But I also feel your energy as really loyal. And that's, I mean, Hufflepuff and and Gryffindor. Yeah. (laughs) Which Gryffindor, like the lion, I mean, it is very much loyal energy. So I could totally be Gryffindor. That's true. Honestly, I'm getting the vibe that you're Gryffindor. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take it. I'll take it. And courageous. You're going to be on center stage, Raquel. Like, I'm going to be throwing the roses at you. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, we know your sun and your moon and your rising and your north node. How about your midheaven? 
So my midheaven is also in Sagittarius in my 10th house. And so that's why I feel wow. like I'm really here. Yeah, I'm here to be seen as the multifaceted healer because I see Sagittarius as the sign that is the shaman, the walker between the worlds. Oh, beautiful, beautiful animal you connect with, your soul connects with. So on my medicine wheel, I have the rabbit for my north. I have the big blue whale for my west. Okay. I have the owl on my east and I have a tiger on my south. How did you connect with this medicine wheel? So I learned about the medicine wheel studying shamanism, but I've had these power animals come to me like throughout my entire life. I just didn't have the foundation of shamanism at the time to put piece that all together. So the rabbit on my north, I... Um, so, so funny. So my name is Thailand. If any of you listening out there are also named Thailand, I would love to meet you. That's like one of my life goals. Is to meet you, <laughs> but my mom, she was watching um, Family Feud and it was Miss America's against Playboy Bunnies. And there was a Playboy Bunny on there named Thailand, but it, she was spelled her name differently. And then I was born on Easter Sunday. So the rabbit has always sort of even before like I was I was still in the womb like the rabbit has been there and the rabbit has shown up for me multiple times throughout my life. Um, same with the owl. The owl has really always been there. Actually, um, so for those of you listening, I have a podcast out on the Sacred Womb In podcast um, with my friend Poonam and we're literally just the whole time honoring the medicine of the owl so I go in depth on my relationship with the owl how the owl has shown up for me throughout my entire life what the owl means so if you guys want to take a deeper listen into the owl check that out um and the big blue whale I so when I was really really little I grew up in Hawaii and um we had this huge picture of a blue whale my parents did and I've always just felt so connected to whale energy. And the whale has actually come up in Akashic Record readings, like other healers have seen the whale around me. And I'm learning from my whale that it's so important for me, even though I'm in this small little human body, if you see me, I'm like super small, like really like fairy-like, but my, my soul is like here to be very expansive, like the big blue whale. And the whale is... Um, really deeply spiritual and he he's a him is my male um male energy of my big blue whale he likes to be called mr blue mr blue i love that <laughs> the universe thailand gave you billboards at no cost whatsoever as a gift to share one message across the main highways and major cities all around the world what would these billboards read you were divinely guided here mm. <laughs> You got this. You felt it right away. This is what it is. Period. I love it. And then the last question, you likely know this, um, that I ask all the Euro Magic guests. How would you advise the Euro Magic listeners to create their own magic? Creation is happening all the time. It's the intention of what we choose to create. Therefore, 
we are already magic. We're so magical. And one thing I've been practicing for myself is looking into my own eyes in the mirror and saying, you are magical. You are magical. And I, I and I amplify this in other people too that I love. And I'm just, I tell them, you are magical. You are magical. So knowing that within yourself and amplifying that in other people is so beautiful. And I think it's, you know, just knowing it's so, it's already within you. It's already there. I think I felt a calling to like want to understand witchcraft more, but then my guides were like, no, that's not for you. You've done that so many times in other lifetimes. Like this lifetime is just about embodying being the healer and knowing that the magic is already within me. It's already there. And we all have magic. So beautiful. Yes, it's already there. We have it. We don't have to go seek it. I'm happy that in this lifetime, your soul wants to explore other avenues. Mm, Yeah. And we're all so (laughs) magical. And I'm so grateful for you, this podcast, Mm -hmm. amplifying that magic for the collective. Oh, thank you so much, Tylin. Where can everyone connect with you? So I post mostly on TikTok. I really love creating on there. So I'm there at Tylen McKenzie. You can also find me on Instagram at Tylen McKenzie. You can listen to my podcast that I co-host with my love, Josh, uh, at Change for the Zest. So we have um, an Instagram for that and a TikTok for that as well. Um, But you can just Google, you can just search it on Apple or Spotify and Change for the Zest will pop up. And you can also visit my website, rebuildsoultrust.com. Oh, beautiful, Tylen. I just love this conversation and every minute with you, and I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for you, Raquel. Yomis, that is a wrap. That is a wrap for this episode. I hope that something spoke deeply to you, expanded you in some way. Please let me know if so. You can catch me on Instagram at Raquel Mantra. I spell Raquel a different way than most, so you can see the spelling in the show notes. Or hang out with the Yomis, the like-minded, very conscious and expansive and helpful souls on the Euro Magic Facebook group, especially a place to turn to when it comes to, well, whatever you're going through. And there are several tools on the euromagic.life membership site. All right, well, thank you so, so much and have a magical rest of your day.